What is serenity anyway? And how do you get it? Welcome to episode 167 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Sarah and Judy. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Sarah and Judy, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. Joining me is Carrie. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of this topic of serenity. Following a short break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about how we practice these principles in all our affairs. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing. I want to open with a reading. This is one that Carrie picked from Hope for Today. It's on uh, February 4th. When I came into Al-Anon, I didn't understand the meaning of serenity. I grew up as an older child of a large family and consequently had very little quiet time. After high school, I left home and moved into a small apartment with three roommates. No privacy there. Shortly after, I married and became the perfect wife who cooked, cleaned, gardened, and raised a family. Alcohol and the chaos that comes with it were ever-present, so I took it upon myself to create a picture-perfect front for my friends, neighbors, and acquaintances. Obviously, there was no time for me to relax under these circumstances. Thank God for Al-Anon. In the program, I've learned I can experience serenity anytime I want it, simply by making small choices. I can wake up an hour earlier and read or watch the sunrise and listen to the sounds of early morning. I can turn off the car radio and drive to work in prayerful silence. While doing my housework, I can choose to listen to tapes I've accumulated from Al-Anon conventions, rather than to the chatter of the television. If I'm struggling with a stressful family situation, I can excuse myself, duck into a quiet room, take deep breaths, and say the serenity prayer over and over. Sometimes, before bed, I just sit quietly in the dark, not thinking about anything, imagining myself wrapped in my higher power's beautiful cloak of moon and stars. And I love the thought for the day on this reading. It says, serenity isn't a matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. Before we start talking about serenity, I thought we'd start with a definition. Maybe you can read bits of this definition for us, Carrie. Sure. So one is it's the state or quality of being serene, calm, or tranquil, sereneness. And then also it is a title of honor, respect, or reverence used in speaking to a certain member of royalty, usually preceded by his, your, etc., and I also, I like the synonyms and the antonyms mm-hmm. here because they, they help to clarify, for me at least, synonyms, they have composure, calm, peacefulness, and peace. And the antonym, I love the antonym, is agitation. Because that just 
so speaks to sort of the quality of my life before I found Al-Anon. You know, I don't think I could have applied that word to it, but when I look back, I was just agitated all the time. Mm. Do you relate to any of the, the words in this definition? Yes, for sure. Well, for me, serenity feels or has felt sort of elusive, kind of, and and I had to look it up because I was like, what is that? It seems in some ways, you know, kind of common sense, like it's peace, you know? I, so I guess I understand the word, but then when I look at myself and look around my little life and my little bubble, it's like, wait, is there, where is there peace? Is there peace here? You know? Mm-hmm. And then to, to look at, you know, is there, are there times when I'm, when I feel agitated or, you know, stressed? Like, yes, I can answer that for certain. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, the reading, I really loved that so much. I have heard and have friends who have shared with me that they really have put a lot of effort towards creating an image that does not um, resonate for me. I don't, I don't quite feel that way. My version of that is that I to do myself, I call it like my to do list. I to do myself to death. Yeah. And so that's what I do is I'm trying to meet your needs. Anybody, anybody in the, in the, in my facility, in my arms reach, you know, like I'll take care of everybody on the outside of me. And then, you know, for myself, it's just total, like, you know, kind of an extreme, the other direction. Yeah. So I'm looking at some of these synonyms and and like peace, okay, calm, peacefulness, peace. And if I if I look at those, it's kind of like, well, when is my life peaceful? Mm-hmm. When is there just peace all around? When is everything calm? And maybe that's an example of the all or nothing thinking mm-hmm. that yeah. I have learned to shed. Mm-hmm. in in recovery. But if I go back to the first definition here, which is the one that applies this title of honor, respect, or reverence, obviously doesn't really apply to what we're talking about here, but it is an interesting, mm-hmm. interesting use of the word. And I, I have to wonder sometimes, like, how, how did that, how did it come to mean that? But anyway, the state or quality of being serene, calm, or tranquil. Tranquil. Okay. So being, I think, is a key word for me in there. It's not that everything is calm, but that I uh, can yeah. be calm. If you see it, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's an active being, becoming maybe, mm-hmm. rather than a passive. It has to come to me from the outside. Right. When I really read that definition and see that word being, I can also feel that it maybe can come to me and I can actually bring it from the inside. Mm. I love that. I really do. Yeah. I mean, the definition does not say when everything around you is really cool, then you feel good, you know, (laughs) does not say that. Yeah. And I, and I love that the emphasis on being, and that helps me because quite honestly, the whole 
idea of slip ups. As I entered the program and started to feel a little better, I was like, oh, look, I, I handled that much better than I would have, you know, a couple months ago. And then, you know, two minutes later, I, you know, stumble on something. I'm like, why did I say that? Like, I quote unquote know better. So then I, I think I was thinking when I was new to the program that. I, I think I thought that like we got a little, you know, graduation certificate or something, you know, like <laughs> there was a point of like, now you are well, but it's not, it's, it's a practice. So yeah, that, that being is, yeah, I get to practice being, I don't have to do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and plus maybe there's something I can do to bring it to mm-hmm. me. Right. And and I think that again for me is a little easier to see when I turn it around and say, well, what what can I do about my agitation? Are there mm-hmm. things I can do to reduce that, which then maybe increase serenity? Mm-hmm. A, a question that that I thought of thinking about sort of life before recovery, even as we were talking here, was what are the ways in which I acted that actually sort of pushed serenity away, that increased my agitation. We were talking before we started recording about sort of picking up other people's stuff, sort of emotionally. Uh And and that is so much something that I did, that I felt I had to be responsible. If I I had to be responsible for everybody else's well-being, for everybody else's happiness, for everybody else's serenity, how the heck am I going to have any of my own? Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, And and the classic example for me that I know I've shared before is sitting in a theater and somebody – else in the theater is coughing and I'm feeling bad for all the other people who have to listen to that coughing. Mm. Why is that my business? Why is that anything that I even have to consider fixing or being able to fix because I can't. Okay. But that's my codependency in full bloom Mm. when that happens. And Luckily, these days, I'm able to say, no, not not mine. Let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm able to let go of it for myself, and I'm able, probably more importantly, given how I, I lived uh, my emotional life so for so long, I'm able to let go of it for everybody else around me. Mm. That is just a, an example of, of a thing that I used to do that would increase my level of agitation and therefore decrease my level of serenity. No wonder I couldn't find any serenity. Right. For me, before the program, I would say growing up, I found, I felt best socially. School was challenging for me. Um, I had an undiagnosed learning disability. And so, yeah, it was, it was a struggle for me. Being with my mom you know, living at home. It was just she and I. I have a lot of nice memories and it was very unpredictable. Um, my friends was the safest place I can find. And I just was checking, like notice that I use the word safe. And, and, you know, I would get into little, you know, fights and stuff with them, but I could be myself a hundred percent. And, you know, we had, you know, similar sense of humor. So it was just, you know, very, very enjoyable. So 
that's how I lived my life. And then, you know, fast forward, when I walked in the door of Al-Anon the first time, I 100% felt like I was on my knees. And I got myself there because I think that all of my isms, you know, like the long list of, you know, you know, all the things that I do, my Al-Anonisms, um, the codependency and, you know, trying to, you know, to doing myself to death, all that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm hesitating as I say it, but I'm pretty, I feel pretty confident to say that I was pretty void of serenity of, of any kind, except several moments a day, like with my kids. But I was so uncomfortable that I could barely see them clearly. But, you know, kids are really cute and delicious. And, you know, when they, especially when they go to bed and, you know, tucking them in and all those little moments. But beyond that, I did not, I did not walk into the door of Alan with, with a big bag of serenity. I was, you know, I was really, really uncomfortable. And as they say, I was on my knees for sure. I'm not sure I know anybody who walked into the doors of Alan with a big bag of serenity. <laughs> and, and now I'm going to hear from, from somebody who's listening. Who's like, oh yeah, I was, I was like really just mm, totally chill. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say I don't believe you, but okay, um, you know that's your experience, and uh, and I and I have to accept it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, like if I heard these words the first time I came to a meeting, but when I started listening in in meetings, most of the meetings in at least in my area are opened with the Elanon suggested welcome, which is. Somewhere in how Al-Anon works in like chapter two or chapter three or something. And in there, it says, we urge you to try our program. It has helped many of us find solutions that lead to serenity. So much depends on our own attitudes. And as we learn to place our problem in its true perspective, we find it loses its power to dominate our thoughts and our lives. So when you heard those words... I guess first question is, did what it was suggesting even make sense? Um, did this this goal of solutions that lead to serenity seem even attainable? Or maybe hearing that gave you hope? I remember feeling scared. And so, and so it, you know, it, the way I interpreted it with my, you know, yeah, when in the first, you know, when I was whatever baby Alanon person, um, baby <laughs> yeah, and I'm only whatever in kindergarten now or something, but um, yeah, those first few times, I it was it was scary. I remember like hearing them as promises, and and I the third meeting I ever went to, I spoke to a woman after for two hours, and at the end of that, asked her to be my sponsor, and in that conversation. She kept talking about, you know, the program and how wonderful it can be and, you know, um, what you, you know, kind of what you were just reading as well. And there was a point where I said to her, okay, with all due respect, you know, I don't mean to be rude in any way, but it's making me nervous and uncomfortable and scared hearing you keep saying these things that feel like promises that things are going to be great. And I kind of want you to cut it out kind of thing, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And and she shared with me and for her, she had a similar response and she went through and with a red pen and circled anytime she heard promises 
so that, so in, in her, in her mind, she was like, so that I can tell these people, you know, like when all this stuff doesn't come true for me, see, I told you so, (laughs) you know, she's been in the program for almost 30 years and she has not had the opportunity to do that. So for me, I think it really, I heard them as promises that scared me. Hmm. That's, that's interesting Mm -hmm. because I feel that I'm reflecting back a few years here, but I feel Mm -hmm. that When I heard those words, when I came to believe them, it gave me hope that, you know, my life could get better. Mm -hmm. I didn't really believe it, but they said it would happen. And, And I could look around the room and I could see people whose lives were maybe just as crazy from what they shared in meetings. But they weren't crazy like I was. Mm-hmm. And I use the word crazy here in, in of course, a totally non-medical sense. Well, I, I don't know. You know, my responses to life were not, were not healthy. And it was making me agitated and angry and all those wonderfully negative emotions that, that many of us come into the rooms with. And I could look around the room and I could see people who... You know, they were still living with people who were drinking and mm-hmm. they weren't, they were not reacting in the same way that I was and they were right. smiling. And, and I was like, well, okay, so maybe if it worked for them, maybe it could work for me. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So it gave me hope is, is my recollection. Um, and that, and, and there's also the, uh, the words about finding contentment and even happiness, whether the alcoholic is still drinking or not. That's, that's somewhere in there as well. And and again, I was like, "Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, yeah." Um, but I found it was true. Not immediately; it took a mm-hmm. while, mm-hmm. but it did come true for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so, every time one of these things that I was like, "Yeah, really," came true. Mm-hmm. Then it gave me a little more faith that these other things right. that were still really hard for me to believe could ever happen could come true. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and honestly, I think I'm still kind of, I still, I think I, I'm slightly still skeptical, and I'm so open and I'm so excited and I'm happy to watch it unfold. The word radical is coming up for me because, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. seems like radical, and like, you guys are. Like, you guys are, you know, what are you talking about? Like, that you can live with someone. How can you live with someone who's, you know, actively, you know, not, you know, seeking health in, you know, their version of it or whatever? Um, and then, as you said, it's like, you know, seeing people week after week and hearing them talk or, you know, talking to them after a meeting. It's like, all right, they seem like they really are rational people so like what is going on you know like mm-hmm. it just seems radical it and yeah it's radical it really mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. no kidding no kidding so what about actually experiencing serenity i know i have my my sort of light bulb experience about serenity that i've probably talked about before maybe i'll start with that mm-hmm. i i don't remember how long I had been in the program, but I think it might have been about 10 months, sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly, as the big book says about the promises. 
So 10 months, and my loved one had relapsed from eight months of sobriety, which drove me back into some old behaviors briefly and and encouraged me to pick up a whole bunch of more meetings, which I did, uh, to, to bring me back on the track, as it were. After a meeting, a friend said, so how are you? And I said, you know what? I think I'm serene. Because today I did not, I was not angry, I was not fearful, I was not despairing. I was just like calm the whole day. It was like this light bulb thing, like, wow, maybe this is what serenity feels like. Because I also, I heard that word and I thought, this sounds like a really great thing to have, but I had no clue what it felt like, Mm -hmm. what it might feel like to actually have serenity, because that was not something I had had for so long, if ever. I'm sure I had it some point when I was a child or something. Maybe, who knows? Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to identify, but, you know, I just didn't even know what it would feel like. And so that day, I was like, oh, huh. And and it also brought me to this realization that, yeah, there was still, like, chaos happening around me. My wife had relapsed, right? <laughs> and I was okay. Like, wow, I can actually have this calm even when life is not perfect. So that was like just huge boom in my head that evening. Um, so I don't know if you had any recognition of moments or times of serenity. Yes, I have. Uh, what comes up for me or the way I think I uh, notice them in my life are two ways. I call them mini miracles. It's just little things. It happened today twice um, that I look at the clock and it's eleven eleven or 333. It's not like a big deal, you know, but to me, it just, it's like a little, like, I don't know, just like a little smile and wave from my higher power or something. Just mm-hmm. like, Hey, um, mm-hmm. it's just, and it, it takes me out of the end of the moment for a minute. And then it started happening about a year and a half ago. Another example of what I would call many miracles for me, um, is I just started finding feathers, I, it just it was just so frequent it was almost daily. I remember one time thinking, oh i it's been about three days I haven't seen one and then I, I mean I'm not kidding I mean it was incredible and almost creepy, but I looked down and there were three feathers, not four, not two you know and I was like, oh my god mm-hmm. and so those things they also just kind of feel like encouragement I guess it feels fun and maybe like I'm not alone. And so those things happen. Mm-hmm. And then also I'm in Al-Anon and I'm working my program, you know, and at the same time life is happening around me and, you know, things kind of go down, you know, and for me, what I mean by that is, you know, mostly most common is an unpleasant exchange with my husband where I just feel kind of, you know, maybe uh, triggered, but it's I, I honestly that word doesn't work for me anymore. It used to be triggered, but I, that's too strong of a word now. So now it's kind of get a little shaky where I'm standing. But triggered is too strong of a word. So those moments happen, 
And I am (laughs) really where I used to, maybe I would say, I would respond. I don't. Where I would get real, like I could, you know, physically have a physical reaction. Like my, you know, I feel really tense. I don't. And those things are happening and I'm noticing. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, what is, how am I doing? Like that would have flipped me out before. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I'm, I am, this is like just going right past me. And that, that to me is an example of me dis or rediscovering my serenity that, you know, yeah. So those moments. And then the third thing I think about when I think about serenity in my life now is, is those, they're moments. It's not, you know, a week of solid, awesome, you know, (laughs) or solemn peace, you know, solid peace. It's moments, maybe like stepping stones or, you know, it's more calm energetically, but it's having for me now the consciousness of noticing them more and taking a breath and really taking it in. Which I think brings us very nicely to the second reading that you had chosen. I'm going to read some bits from it, at least. This is from May 20th in Hope for Today. And it starts, The serenity I am offered in Al-Anon is not an escape from life. Rather, it is the power to find peacefulness within life. Al-Anon does not promise me freedom from pain, sorrow, or difficult situations. It does, however, give me the opportunity to learn from others how to develop the necessary skills for maintaining peace of mind, even when life seems most unbearable. Mm-hmm. Alanon also gives me the opportunity to live a serene life, free from the burden of responsibility for others' decisions. Mm-hmm. And the thought for the day from this reading says serenity is not about the end of pain. It's about my ability to flourish peacefully, no matter what life brings my way. That is the thing that I've really come to understand about serenity uh, and how, how this program gives me the ability to, to experience it, to find it is that it doesn't, as it says, you know, and, and as you said, you know, your life isn't, isn't all wonderful. Your life isn't all calm and peaceful. But you can find those moments. And and also, I think, as we work our program, certainly for me as I work my program, the moments that used to just pull me into a rat hole, mm-hmm. just send me spiraling down, don't anymore. Uh, and I think that is, that's the the huger if that's a word thing um, <laughs> i don't think it is but that's okay <laughs> it works here we get it <laughs> yeah um so and it also the reading i think also brings us forward into the solution as we like to we like to go from the problem to the solution some of the tools that you use maybe a tool that that you've used in a situation recently to either maintain or restore your serenity. I can't think of an example of um, I'm feeling, you know, rattled. That was the word I was thinking of earlier rather than triggered. I can't think of an example of when I'm feeling rattled and I'm like, Oh, let me get my serenity. For me, it's more doing, you know, my, my work doing, doing the steps. 
and specifically working the steps, getting to meetings, reaching out for help via text and phone call um, when I need it so that I'm not isolating like I used to. And, you know, the literature and self-care is really big because then I feel more able to, when I'm practicing my self-care, which also is another word that I, uh, radical is really big for me for that one, (laughs) Um, because it feels radical and I'm really seeing how um, (laughs) wonderful it is. And it's, when I take care of myself, it I, I am starting to see the positive ripple effect it has on my family, my children. So when I'm strong in my self-care, I'm, it's like I can just see better. I can see more clearly and notice those moments. So for me, it's like the, it's like the, the foundation, the footwork, like keeping that strong. So I'm going to pull um, an analogy think it's an analogy. I always get analogies and metaphors confused, but mm-hmm. I'm going to pull an analogy out of what I heard you say, which is that you do the work by working the steps, going to meetings, reading the literature, talking to, to friends. And actually, I mean, you, you had a couple of specific tools in there, like texting friends when mm-hmm. something comes up, but you're doing this work, you're in, and in doing this work, you're exercising your your spiritual muscles. Mm-hmm. So what I thought of was, well, if I do the maintenance work of exercising my physical muscles, then when they're challenged, even in a minor way by, let's say, climbing a flight of, a flight or two of stairs, I can do that and still be, you know, it doesn't, bring my heart up, I'm not breathing hard. And so bringing it back to the emotional, spiritual sphere, in a situation where in the past I might have done sort of the spiritual equivalent of my heart's beating really hard and I'm panting because I'm I just am working so hard at trying to deal with this situation. Now I have these these spiritual muscles that are in practice mm-hmm. that let me face that situation and not have to to work hard at it, not have to to get myself riled up and agitated about it. Um, what was yeah. that word? Rattled. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that is, that's something that is not so obvious because it's not in the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I need, for some reason, like the other day I was – on my way to work and I was running a little bit late and I wanted to catch the bus and our bus system has this uh, online um, app, I guess effectively that will tell you where the bus is and how long it's going to be before it comes to your stop, mm-hmm. which is both a blessing and a curse because I can look at it and say, Oh wow. I would, I, uh, it's really going to be a long time before the bus comes or, Oh, it's, it's almost here. I'll, I'll stop and wait for it. And so the other day I was in a situation where, I went to the bus stop by my house and the bus was like 10 minutes away. I don't know, something like that. It was, it was, it was not close. Mm. And so I thought, well, I'll walk. It was a nice day. Uh, I could get some exercise. I could get some, some steps into my Pokemon go game, which is my new thing on top of candy crush. Anyway, 
uh, hey, at least it gets me exercising, right? <laughs> it gets me walking. So I started walking, and I walked to the next bus stop, and it's like, nope, bus is still nowhere near. Walk to the next stop. No, the bus is not near, but I don't know. It might come before I get to the next stop. But, hey, I'll take a chance. I'll keep walking. The only thing that will happen, the only bad thing that will happen is I'll be, I'll be late for a meeting, right? At work, not like an Illinois meeting. And so I was walking and I was getting close to the next stop and I'm, and I'm a little bit concerned because I know the bus is going to be coming up behind me. So I just start running because I can do that now because I've been exercising. And a year ago, if I had done that, I would have been panting out of breath. My heart would have been pounding in my chest. And this time I was like, no problem. Yeah, I got a little warmer, okay? Mm-hmm. But because I do the work to exercise my muscles and exercise my heart and lungs, right. when I am faced with even a small challenge, it's a lot easier for me to do it. When I do the work to exercise my spiritual muscles, to exercise detachment, to exercise letting go, to exercise asking for help, to exercise prayer and meditation, then when I need those things, they're right there for me. That's that's what you. That's what I heard you say. Except yeah. I made it a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you did. No, it's so true, and I love it. I love it. It's so true. It's spot on. It really, really is because it's you know it, it like I said in the beginning. I mean, it just feels like well, I don't remember the word I used. Sorry, but it feels like you know, evasive to me. Like, what are you guys talking about? And excuse me, I think that's totally true because it's not like ABC for me. It's not like a, you know, clear, nice little in a box, you know, equation. It, it's more in the fabric of my life. And I've been thinking about it a lot this week. I don't know. Well, I don't know why, but no, I don't know why. When I think about myself a year ago, I can't believe it. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like everybody promised when I walked in, you know, that's what I heard them say is that, that, that will happen. It's just, if you, if this resonates with you and you stick with this, then your life will change and you will be amazed. And that is what's happening. So, yeah, I think, I think it is just like you said, well, you know, what I heard you say is that, you know, if we use our muscles and all of a sudden we're, you know, strong enough to run without it being uncomfortable, <laughs> Yep. Yeah, and I I felt that difference as I was doing that. I was like, "Huh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> this is easy." Yeah. How that happened? <laughs> well, yeah. Because I did the work, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 you don't notice when you're doing the work, and maybe the work seems like, "Hey, what's the point?" And then something mm-hmm. like that happens. Like, oh, I can see the yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so, one of the readings that you picked, January twenty fourth. Yes. Yes. It talks about some of the actual principles. So, to maintain my serenity, I need to work my program. In particular, I need to practice the principles that prevent me from losing myself, as well as those that steer me back if I do get lost. And if I even just think about the steps, the ones that prevent me from losing myself are those inventory-related steps in the middle where I discover who I am and accept myself in all humility, four through seven at least. Uh, and then the, the ones, the principles that steer me back, 
if I do get lost, well, there's steps two and three right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, found a higher power or, or admitted to myself that there might be such a thing as a higher power and then made a decision mm-hmm. to put my life into the care of that higher power. And then uh, step 11 in particular, uh, continue to keep conscious contact or improve conscious contact through prayer and meditation. Those are tools that I can use to steer me back when I get lost. And then it goes on. For example, detachment helps me focus on my program. When I can detach from my emotional need to engage in somebody else's problem and bring it back to what part of this is mine. Because if I'm focusing on somebody else's problem, I probably can't fix it. And that increases my level of agitation and decreases my serenity, right? So does the slogan, think, to which I add, stop. I remind myself to stop and think to determine what the person is really requesting before I respond. If I do lose my serenity, ideas that bring me back include live and let live and placing principles above personality. When I find myself in the midst of reacting, thinking of these ideas is often enough to make me stop and consider my response, which usually restores me to sanity. This January 24th reading, this is like an awesome reading about using the tools of the program to to keep serenity. I love it. Um, and I, I highly recommend Hope for Today, January 24th. It's also page 24. What a coincidence. <laughs> and that one that you mentioned, you know, talking to a, a program friend, I mean, that that also is, is really big. It's a stretch for me um, almost every time because one of the – I feel like major messages I got um, growing up was not to bother people. Yeah, that it's it's just, I don't want to bother people. And, and thank God for texting. I can't even imagine calling people. Oh my God, who that would be too much. But um, you know that does make the oh, phone a little lighter, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it really. God, I don't know if I could do it. God bless everybody that was doing Al-Anon before <laughs> texting was a, was a, an option. And and think about when when the only way you could call somebody was when they were home, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yes, right. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I remember before there was voicemail, so it's a stretch for me to to possibly bother somebody, and to speak in a meeting for that matter for that same reason. I feel all nervous and shaky, and I do it anyway. It's wonderful. And, and, you know, it's, it's that, but it's also, I, I'm so desperate. I've got to do things differently and I've done the isolation thing, you know, and it stinks. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. as terribly scary as it is, I'll do it. Yeah. And, and I have often, well, as often as I've called people, Mm -hmm. uh, which I also find that phone very heavy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Despite my my years in the program and my knowledge that so many times when I receive a call, it it also improves my program. Yes, okay. I know that for me. But the person I'm calling, oh, I don't know about that. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I can't bother them with my little problem, right? Anyway, but just calling and talking it out, talking not even talking it out, just talking about what's going on. To somebody who is not going to try to fix it, is not going to say, "Well, did you did you did you try this? Did you try that?" and 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 also is not going to say, "Oh, you poor person," 
Mm-hmm. Like those sort of standard emotional or fixing responses that 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 almost everybody does sort of like the normal way to to react to things in in our society right the al-anon way is to listen to say i hear you maybe to say would you like me to make a suggestion uh, but is so supportive and sometimes that's enough. I don't need somebody to fix my problem. I just need somebody to hear my problem sometimes. Yeah. That's enough to, to bring me back, to bring me down from, from the, the peak of agitation that I'm at. I don't need an answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just need to put it out there. And it's, maybe yeah. that's a form of prayer, you know? Mm. That's, that's a way that I reach out and I ask for help from my higher power. Mm. Mm, I like that. Yeah, for sure. You know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. Is it? I mean, it just fascinates me um, how powerful meetings are, and I'm like, why? I mean, I okay, fine. So we have like the structure to it, you know, that we, you know, things that we say in the beginning and at the end, and you know, what I consider my home group is popcorn style. So you know. Anybody shares randomly if they want to, or about the topic that is picked by a person, you know, um, for three minutes. And why is that so incredible? You know, like I went this morning, I just was like, I driving home, I'm like, ah, I just, I feel so much better. And it wasn't anything specific, but I think it's, and I didn't speak. So nothing, you know, in, in the meeting, I was just listening. So what in the world? Like, why is that so amazing? And I think it's, you know, being in community and, and hearing people speak and possibly recognizing a part of myself. So then I feel like, oh, I'm, you know, we're not, we're all, we are all one in one way or another, you know? And yeah, it's, it's really powerful. So I came up with this sort of philosophical question here. Mm. And I'm not sure I even know exactly what the question means. I wrote, mm. do you think serenity is a state of being or an attitude or a little of both? Oh, Spencer, that's good. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> that's really good. That is good. Ooh, I love that. I love that. Because... What I've come to understand in the program, I think, is that it is both. That that when I get to the point that my sort of resting state, if you will, is serenity, mm-hmm. then it's a state of being. And my state of being used to be fear and anger. Mm-hmm. That was my resting state and worry, fear, yeah. anger, and worry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And that is so much not as much the case now. Mm-hmm. My, my, my resting state is more often serenity and much less often fear, anger, and worry. But it's also an attitude. And I think earlier in the program, it was much more an attitude that I could try to take on, you know, the sort of conscious letting go, the conscious detachment, the conscious shifting of my point of view 
from got to fix it, got to fix it to don't got to fix it. So I think for me at this point in my life, it's, it's both, but I think it's more being than attitude. And I think 10 years ago, it was more attitude than being. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's what I got for that question. How about you? Mm. Yeah, I, I love that. So for me, there are things that I ways that I can take responsibility for myself and for my serenity, which I want more of. For me, what that can look like in a day, for example, is when I am first conscious that I am awake in the morning. In the past few years, honestly, and um, I, I recognized that it was that I could feel anxiety in my body. That was new, and so I was like, "Wow, you know, just that's interesting and not that much fun." <laughs> um, yeah, like, huh? I have tools now that I can that I can practice, um, and so that for me, I have my hope for today and my one day at a time right next to my bed, and. I think maybe somebody a little more farther down the road and Alan or whatever would probably meditate, but I'm not quite there yet. Um, so I, I read my two readers before I get out of the bed and that is something that I can do. And then I am aware of my breath and that really, really helps. And that kind of changes the channel for me. Then I put my feet on the ground and then, sorry, one more thing I do that I think of is I just start listing everything I can think of that I'm grateful. Um, the bed that I'm in, my pillow, mm-hmm. oh, I just heard a bird, that I have running water, that kind of thing. There are action steps that yes. I can do to take responsibility for myself. Yes. I love the idea of the attitude. For me, I think now that I'm thinking about it, I think for me the word might be awareness. Because I think before I came into the program, I felt not good, and I felt maybe like a leaf blowing around in the in the wind. You know, just like I'm over mm-hmm. here, I'm over there, I'm mm-hmm. over here. And now, because of the way Al-Anon is getting into the fabric of my life, I feel better, and so much of it is me slowing down and noticing, and so being aware. And then I think, as a result my attitude is changing. Sure. An example of that, I think that I've noticed is that I am making jokes again with my kids in conversation. And honestly, it, it, that is really amazing to me actually, now that I'm, I'm really just thinking about it for the first time right now, because I had before humor was a huge part of me and a part of my life. Um, and honestly, possibly a survival tool. I, you, everyone's probably heard that before, but if you really talk to a comedian, it's like, like they've got quite a lot of stories sometimes. And I think it really can be, um, uh, like a life, a lifeline for them. So that had been a big part of my life. And before I came to Al-Anon, I just felt like a little, a little troll that lived under a bridge. I mean, I was just so far from, humor. I, I, like I would go days, possibly weeks without laughing ever. And then fast forward, you know, into Al-Anon and I started to notice like, Oh, I just, I just made a joke there. And so it's noticing too, you know, being the awareness. Mm -hmm. So you're 
almost a year in the program, depending how you count it at this point, yes? Yes. I w- well, I wonder maybe you can help me with that. Because I've heard that it's the first time we walk in the door. And I really do think that that is true because I went December 5th and then I didn't go again till the spring. And and when I look back, even though there was weeks, you know, a couple months in between that time, mm-hmm. things started to shift. Interesting. So I think it, I think it really... I think that there's a, a truth to that. So the first time that, that we go in. Yeah. So thinking about serenity in particular, mm-hmm. what, what might you say to your year and a half ago self? Mm. Because one of the things that we try to do in the podcast is to, you know, mm-hmm. bring Alan on to people who are not active in the program, but, and maybe are not sure whether they want it or need it. Mm-hmm. And this is a way for people to dip their toe in and maybe get some encouragement to actually go to a meeting. So mm-hmm. address that person if you can mm. and, and think oh. about yourself a year and a half ago. Yeah, I would love to. So to, to anyone who may be listening who would like to go to a meeting but feels scared, um, that was me. I, I had penciled in, I looked up online, I don't know how many times it's embarrassing. I don't know. Lots of times. And I penciled it into my, cause I use an old fashioned calendar. So it's literally a pencil. Um, so many times to go to a meeting and I was scared and it, it took me, um, calling a friend who was in a different 12 step, um, you know, just, just talking to her, you know, as friends do. And so she said to me, let's go on Friday. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I was so scared. And I, there was, I don't know. There wasn't like one thing. I don't, I don't know if I thought I was going to get yelled at or you know, like it was just, it was unfounded, but it was real for sure. So I guess I would just like to say to anybody, just if you, if you want to find a friend, take a friend, but um, it's really, it's really wonderful. And you can go and sit in the back and just, you know, hide if you want to. And, and so on the topic of serenity, um, when I think back to myself, when I walked in the door that day and I started hearing things that sounded really nice and out of reach, but that I wanted them that, yeah, I guess I, you know, I would say, you know, that, that it's, that it's real. And to, as they say, keep going back to meetings and, and to take it as slow as you want to take it and um, be gentle with yourself and take your time. It's not, there's no rush. Um, there's no timeline. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. And Carrie sent me, what, eight? possible music <laughs> suggestions for this episode. Actually, honestly, um, when I'm doing well, that's about the number I come up with. Sometimes oh, I'm scratching okay. the bottom for three. Oh, I just It's okay. not working for me. And sometimes I'm like, like, here's a dozen. Okay. Uh, Spence, I was like, Spencer, don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I, I like having actually, okay, okay. because I can I'll go through and say, well, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this. Okay. And then I can go back and say, okay, I think like these three yeah. Um, for me today, yeah. address the topic best. And, and so why don't you talk about the first one here? Sure. Our first musical selection, which you can listen to on the website at therecoveryshow.com 
167 is by a band called uh, The Chainsmokers featuring Daya, and the song is called Don't Let Me Down. This song, um, it, it came to me, and it was a really, it was a cool time because uh, I was not feeling serene that day. It was a few weeks ago, and there was just so much going on, so much bad news, and I, I choose not to watch the news because I just feel too sensitive. It feels like too much a lot of times, and it's not balanced. Like with positive things, it's just like it's just too much. It's like again, 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 sad stories that, and I can't save the world, and that's you know, <laughs> I don't love that all the time. <laughs> There was a day that there was a lot going on in the world and I, and I did feel, I was like, okay, well, I need to know something that's going on. So I looked up one story, which I thought would, you know, kind of be palatable for myself. And it took me to a really, really terrible video and without getting into it, something bad had happened in the video and there was a child out of view. And I heard her little voice say, mommy, it's going to be okay. And so I immediately turned it off. It just felt like it was too much because what I was thinking in that moment was that poor little girl and that all these adults were doing all this stuff around her and she is trying to comfort them. And so that day for a couple hours, I just kept kind of, well, I caught leaking, just like, you know, not sobbing, but just kind of, you know, tears coming. And then I was driving and I was in traffic, which is, you know, we all know what that's like. I was thinking all these things like, you know, this world is just, there's so much suffering in that poor, sweet little girl and, you know, sending her love and light um, wherever she may be. And, and this song came on. It was really, it was really amazing. And um, honestly, I think it might be the song might be about somebody with codependency issues, but for me, it was like talking directly to me where I was at in that moment. And it was about me and how I was feeling about my higher with my higher power. So some of the lyrics, I'll, I'll read them now. Crashing hit a wall. Right now I need a miracle. Hurry up now. I need a miracle. Standing, reaching out. I call your name but you're not around. Yeah, I need you right now. So don't let me, don't let me, don't let me down. I think I'm losing my mind now. It's in my head. Darling, I hope that you'll be here when I need you the most. So don't let me, don't let me down. And that's exactly how I was feeling in that moment. Like everything was too much and um, so many people were suffering, as I said, and so it felt like that with my higher power that, you know, kind of like, you know, where are you in all of this? And I need a sign and, you know, in the song it says I need a miracle and, and the song came on and, and so it was, you know, there was, I had a moment and it was like, whoa, I felt clear and it helped me find my center again, my serenity and, and what I believe in my heart is that yes, there are a lot of awful things going on right now. And yes, I was in traffic. And what is also true in that moment was that I, I was driving in a car and I'm lucky to have a car and it, it it's working. And um, I was driving towards my, my last yoga training 
which was me doing a, you know, um, actualizing a goal that I had had for myself for 26 years, but I was too scared to do before Al-Anon. And, and that was also true. And, and I was going to be in a room full of, you know, fellow students who were also studying these ancient and beautiful teachings of yoga that I love so much. And that, you know, I am blessed to know a lot of wonderful people, you know, who are working to better themselves. And, and then that has, you know, in my opinion, a ripple effect, you know, that as we heal ourselves, that, that, you know, goes on to, you know, the people that maybe they live with and work with and encounter each day. And so that we, we do have a small part and we can make this world better. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. And I'll go ahead and start since you've just been talking for a while. <laughs> and thinking back to meetings this week, so just this morning, today, Saturday, uh, went to my step meeting, and it's the third Saturday, so I sat at the table, which is studying the 12 traditions, and we've been at it for a year, so we were on tradition 12, and tradition 12 says, anonymity is the spiritual foundation um, of our principles. I'm not getting it exactly right, but anyway, it's about anonymity and spiritual foundation and ever reminding us to place principles above personalities. There we are. Okay. I think that may be my favorite tradition. I don't know. Tradition five is pretty close because that's the one about how we actually work the program. Mm -hmm. But we had a great discussion about it and about the different ways in which one of the things that came out of the reading that I know I've read that reading before, but I didn't. I, you know, I heard it differently this this time, is about how anonymity also works together to promote humility. Because if we are anonymous, if we're not putting ourselves out as maybe some kind of expert or something like that, then that helps us to be more humble about our contributions and also to make it easier to accept other people's contributions in, say, a meeting or something. It was an interesting observation. And, uh, and helpful. And the meeting last Sunday, there were, uh, somebody said, hey, can we read the reading from, I don't know, Courage to Change? And somebody else said, well, I really like the reading in Hope for Today. And somebody else said, I really like the reading in, in ODAT, One Day at a Time. And so we read all three, and two of them were really about choices, about making choices. And so there was a lot of synchronicity in there and a lot of talking about, about choices. And I don't remember exactly which reading it was right now, but one of them talks about like, doing two things I don't want to do every day just to sort of keep my, my spiritual choosing muscle. You know, and I don't have it exactly right. Let's see if I've got it here. Uh, I believe that is why our Just for Today suggests doing two things each day that I don't want to do just for practice. To create a balanced life, I must exercise some self-discipline. That way, I can pay attention to my feelings without being tyrannized by them. So it's really about feelings affecting choices. And if we balance, if we create balance in our life, it's, it's easier to actually figure out what are the things that we want rather than the things that our feelings are telling us maybe we should. Um, so uh, that was August 14th. Um, 
both of the readings in Courage to Change and Hope for Today really, I thought, synchronized with each other nicely. We also had, in the Sunday night meeting, we had a group conscience, and there was a really interesting discussion in the group conscience about people who talk too long in the meeting. And do we want to do something about that? Because it has been the case several times recently where not everybody got to talk because we have a pretty strict deadline on the end of the meeting because the AA guys who open the church, who have the keys to the church where we meet, have been there since like 6 o'clock because they had to set up coffee and set up tables and all that stuff. And they want to go. Uh, they don't want to hang around for us to like dilly-dally and, and extend our meeting for half an hour. And so out of a courtesy to the people who are making it possible for us to meet in the church Sunday evening, um, we need to finish on time. But then that comes right up against our sort of, oh, but we don't want to tell people what to do. We can't tell people to shut up. Hey, you've been talking too long. And who would do that? You know, like who who would be the, the timekeeper or whatever? And I thought about that when you were talking mm-hmm. about, you know, your meeting with sharing for three minutes and, and so on. And somebody said, well, I've been to some meetings where they actually have a timer. And and I've been to some meetings where there are a timer, where there is, there is a timer. And uh, And what we decided to do was, I think we're adding something to the opening. Well, we already have something in the opening about minding minding the time uh, and so that everybody has a chance to share. But we thought what we might try is at each table before we get started, we count, you know, sort of say, hey, well, there's like 10 people sitting at this table. We have 50 minutes, so please try to keep your sharing under five minutes, mm-hmm. which sort of felt directive without being controlling. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, we'll have another group conscience next month, probably, and we'll see how we're doing. Um, but it's, it's you know, and, and there were a lot of disparate views about whether this is something we should even be concerned about, shared or, or oh, yeah, this is a horrible thing. Also, was last week, maybe, might have been last week, I was talking with a friend in the program who was relating a situation with, uh, relating to a family member. And I was sort of thinking, well, this sounds like something that is about this family member and not too much about you. I wanted to say, you know, where, where's your part in this? And eventually I think was able to ask that question and we had a, we had a further discussion about that. But then later in the week, I was listening to an open talk that uh, the person giving the talk said, yeah, so I was complaining about how my darling son was doing this horrible thing and my darling son this and my darling son that. Mm-hmm. And, and my sponsor said, could you say that again with his name instead of my darling son? And so she said, said it again with just his name. And then her sponsor said, and where's your name in that? I'm like, Oh, there's a tool. Okay, I'm I'm going to try to remember that tool <laughs> next time I, I I get a sponsee who's going on and on about. And I, I'm sorry, that's very judgmental. A sponsee who's talking about something that really may or may not have any part that's theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, to recast it with proper names and then see where your name shows up. And that's a tool I could use myself, actually. Okay, when I say my wife, my my child. Um, you know, if I rephrase it with their names in there, does my name appear anywhere? If not, maybe I don't have a part. 
So interesting. And next Saturday, I'm um, I'm giving an open talk. Um, so if you happen to be in Ann Arbor, Michigan area, um, two o'clock on Saturday, August twenty seventh, at the uh, at the King of Kings Church, or or not, you know, if you don't want to hear me, don't come. That's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, I think I'm going to stop now. Uh, there was a lot of other stuff going on this week. It's been a busy week. Oh, no, one more thing about acceptance. Um, Sunday night, I went downstairs in the basement. There was water all over the floor. And I was like, oh. And, and I discovered that the water was actually coming out of the air conditioner, well, the furnace slash air conditioner unit in the basement. It was like... Con- condensate. It's been very humid, and and it and apparently the drain tube was plugged, and so there was water out all over. And I don't know how long it had been doing that. And so the next thought is, oh, oh, this is horrible. And then the next thought is, okay, what 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 can I do right now? Um, and I did the things I could do right then, which involved uh, cleaning the little sump pump thing, and um, there was. There was a rug on the floor that was totally soaked with water, so I, I, I hung it up over the sink to drain and uh, mopped up some of the water. And then the next morning I called the the furnace repair guys and said, can you guys come out and, and fix this for us? Because I thought I knew where the problem was, but I didn't know how to get to it. So I, I thought, I'm going to have the pros do this for me. And, and they came and they charged us some money and they fixed it. And and it was just sort of like, you know, I I don't have to get all worked up about this. I don't have to, you know, it didn't keep me awake. Uh, I I did what I could, and I knew that I could do more in the morning, and I was able to go to sleep. So mm. there's program at work. <laughs> how, how about yourself? It's true. It's so true. I had a good week. It is summertime, so I have two children, so... So much driving to different camps and stuff. <laughs> um, and so I have not been able to get to so many meetings and I feel it. You know, I notice I feel good when I get to two meetings a week. Mm-hmm. I feel better. Like I feel great when I get to four and that's the most I've been able to maintain or sustain. So I'm just trying to be gentle with myself around it that I'm not able to get to so many. I'm constantly texting with my sponsor. So that is there in my daily readings and all that. I went to a workshop outside of Al-Anon. It's called Shedding Shame. So that was scary. I'm just yeah. <laughs> like, I want that. And I think I want that to be like scary. <laughs> And it was really wonderful on so many levels. It was Friday and then all day, Saturday and Sunday. So it was a lot of content and my experience um, going to other workshops in the past, it will, I'll be integrating the gifts and tools I've learned for years to come. I experienced something that was really cool. And, and I, yeah, I was thinking about it. I think I would uh, classify it as a spiritual awakening Two weeks ago, I actually uh, staffed a workshop. It's called Women Within International, and there's a men's version for it. But um, I've been involved in that community for 14 years, and that was my eighth time staffing. And I had the opportunity in staffing to, you know, have a little jaw and say little, it makes it sound, um, I don't know, disqualifies it somehow. But I had a job um, where I was able to um, be of support or to offer support 
to a particular woman and she basically was like, eh, I'm okay. No, thank you. Like that was, you know, just the brief version of it. And Mm -hmm. so that was no big deal. I mean, it was fine. I, you know, in my (laughs) codependency Al-Anonism, I went, I went to like a little Al-Anon party or something in my head. Like I didn't do it right. If I had been more blah, you know, this, 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 or this, then she would have, I don't know, had a different response. And so I was pretty uncomfortable. Pretty soon after I got clear, a little clarity on that, that like, wait a minute, that woman was fine. She's fine. (laughs) Like what? she asked for what she wanted, which was nothing in that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. So why am I, why am I getting bothered by this? So then fast forward now to the, the shedding shame workshop that I was at, I had another opportunity to look at that (laughs) big shocker, you know, just, yeah, came up again. Mm -hmm. A um, fellow participant had her own experience of something. And I felt like, you know, I had, a part in it. And I didn't, it's none of my business. It, my name was not on it, you know, but I found a way cause I'm, you know, like brilliant when it comes to finding blame when it's not even mine. And so the spiritual awakening part for me was that there was a really nice opportunity for me to f- feel, I guess, grounded and, you know, to have an experience and I was distracted And part of it was to, it was kind of, we walked from one place to another place and it felt like it was forever, but it was, I'm grateful that it was so long. And so while I was walking, I caught myself and I was like, okay, I am doing it again. And realizing that energetically, that's not fair to her, that, you know, she's having her experience on this planet and that she has every right to have her experience and me thinking about her. And, you know, worrying about her, like, that's kind of not fair, you know, that Mm. I would like to detach from that if it's, you know, like a energetic cobweb or something, you know, just which I I say that because it's light and thin, it's a little string is, you know, I want to cut that and let her be and send her light on her way and do what I need to be doing, which is to focus on myself because that, you know, me thinking about somebody else, I'm unable to do that. So I caught myself and I was like, okay, you know, cut it out, you know, let her go kind of thing, you know? And I did that and I looked down, I don't know. I looked down and there was a feather. And so I was like, oh my God, like, are you kidding me? So I, <laughs> I picked it up. I still have it. And then, you know, I'm crying, crying. Cause it was just like, it felt like, you know, that little feather was, you know, my higher power, like a little pat on the back or something like, Mm -hmm. yes, this is what you need to be doing is to let that, let that woman be and to focus on yourself. And here's the reassurance because here's a little feather on the floor. (laughs) So yeah, it was, it was very um, meaningful for me and an opportunity for me to um, another opportunity for me to be gentle with myself on my path. All right. Thank you. So next week, I'm planning to record my open talk and we'll publish that as the content of the podcast because that way I don't have to do like two two things in one weekend. But if you have 
thoughts about today's topic of serenity, you can join the conversation, leave us a voicemail, or send us an email with your feedback or questions. And Carrie, how can people do that? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now to 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of serenity or of our upcoming topics. And you can find all the information about the show at our website, which again is therecoveryshow.com. It includes notes for each episode, occasional blog, and links to the music that we talk about. We also have links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. We will take a short break before diving into the mailbag. Our second musical selection available on the website is by Florence and the Machine, and the song is called Shake It Out. So for this podcast recording on Serenity, I asked my 11-year-old daughter, because she really loves music, and so I asked her if she could think of a song. And then I said, Oh, how about that uh, Taylor Swift song? Shake it off. Um, Cause I, yeah. And I thought she was going to be like, yeah, totally. And she <laughs> said, <laughs> and she didn't. And I was, and I felt kind of proud, like, you know, she knows more songs than just pop stars, but um, she suggested, she was like the song that's not by Taylor Swift. And it was this one, shake it out by Florence and the machine. And so I felt proud And I really love listening to the song really loud in the car and singing it as loudly as I can. I heard it, um, I don't think it was the first time, but um, it's a nice memory for me. It was a conference that I went to a few years back by um, Hay House, which is a publishing company by Louise Hay. And they do, sorry, conferences, uh, and they're called um, You Can Do It. And at this one, they had 14 speakers and Wayne Dyer was there um, before he had uh, has since passed on. And this woman, um, her name is Gabrielle Bernstein, and she's an author and motivational speaker. And she played this song, and so it was the entire audience. Um, she had us up and dancing and singing and shaking our arms and, uh, yeah, shaking it out. <laughs> and so it was really powerful to be in an auditorium with so many people and so much energy. So a few of the lyrics um, are here. Uh, Regrets collect like old friends. Here to relive your darkest moments. I can see no way. I can see no way. And all of the ghouls come out to play. And every demon wants his pound of flesh. But I like to keep some things to myself. I like to keep my issues drawn. It's always darkest before the dawn, and I've been a fool, and I've been blind. I can never leave the past behind. I can see no way. I can see no way. I'm always dragging that horse around. All of his questions, such a mournful sound. Tonight, I'm going to bury that horse in the ground. Like So I like to keep my issues drawn but it's always darkest before the dawn. Shake it out, shake it out, shake it out. 
and it's hard to dance with the devil on your back, so shake him off. Mm-hmm. We actually had almost no email this week. Yeah. Sarah, who sent us a donation this week, wrote, I wrote in about emotional safety, and then you did an episode on it. I can't tell you how grateful I am for your podcast. Thank you for doing it. It's a huge service, and I'm very appreciative. Did you do that episode with me? No, but I really, oh my gosh, Spencer, that was amazing. Yeah, if I can just share with you quickly, um, I was coming off of a very hard, I can't even call it a vacation. Uh, It was meant to be a family vacation, but it was really one of the hardest weeks of my life. And so on the airplane, um, I was listening to it and I kept stopping and rewinding and I took, um, voracious notes. Um, it was incredible. It was very, very powerful for me. So thank you so much for that one. Well, it, it was, um, it was a good one to do really. Mm. And, uh, we got a review in iTunes from, uh, you want to read that for us? Sure. I heard that this podcast is like having a meeting in your pocket. It's so true. I'm about a year and a half into the program. I luckily found this podcast, and it has been one of my top tools. I went to as many meetings as I could about four a week the first few months, read my daily reader every morning, called or texted my sponsor often, was working the steps, but it wasn't enough for me. I wanted quote, all the Al-Anon all the time, end of quote, (laughs) and this podcast fit the bill. I listened as I walked, cleaned the house, drove, folded laundry. When I couldn't fall asleep from the stress of my Al-Anon-isms, I'm so grateful to Spencer for all his hard work and heart he's put into the podcast. I'm grateful, too, for all of his co-hosts over the years. One of my favorite aspects of Al-Anon is hearing everyone's experiences, as well as having a voice. I love, too, how open Spencer is to listeners to contribute. I recommend this to all my Al-Anon friends. Thank you for being my, quote, meeting in my pocket. Well, and thank you for that very detailed review. iTunes reviews and ratings do help to make us easier to find by those in need who are seeking recovery. And if you're concerned about anonymity, well, you can sign yourself anonymous or you can give us a rating without writing a review and your identity will not be shown. And please be honest. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses, which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Sarah and Judy did. And thank you again, Sarah and Judy. We have also put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we receive a small commission. And I want to thank people who used that link to order from Amazon because they sent me a, a, well, they send a gift card is what they send Um, just recently because because of your support. I really appreciate that. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, direct them to therecoveryshow.com, or just listening to us. We are here for you. And uh, we we got one more song selection here uh, that uh, you picked for us. So tell us what you got. 
Sure. Our last song selection is called Adventures of a Lifetime, and it's by the band Coldplay. Uh, and you can listen to that on the recovery show.com slash 167. I think the song is about someone who's in love with somebody or something. Um, but for me, it's about me and my higher power. And so some of the lyrics turn your magic on to me, she'd say everything you want's a dream away under this pressure, under this weight, we are diamonds Now I feel my heart beating. I feel my heart underneath my skin and I feel my heart beating. Oh, you make me feel like I'm alive again, alive again. Oh, you make me feel like I'm alive again. Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.